Welcome to The Edge of Work, a podcast for innovative leaders and professionals who want to stay ahead on ideas and insights on how technology and innovation are transforming work, careers, and learning. During each episode, we'll talk to leaders, thinkers, and founders to explore the most interesting and innovative trends about attracting and retaining talent, learning, and the future of work. Welcome to the Edge of Work podcast. My name is Al D. I'm the host of the Edge of Work podcast. Today, we're going to talk about attracting and retaining Gen Z talent. As many of you know, attracting, attracting and retaining top talent is a critical priority for all businesses, especially those that are looking to hire lots of early career talent. And in today's hiring market, simply posting roles and opportunities targeted at early career talent is table stakes. But in order to win the hearts and minds of Gen Z employees, companies need to find ways to showcase who they are, what they offer, what their culture is like, and how they can help a prospective candidate start and grow their career. And Scholars is a technology platform that's helping do just that. Today's guest is Ben Siegel, who is a co-founder at Scholars, which is a technology platform that helps employers and talent acquisition professionals manage their communications, employer brand with their candidates to foster a sense of community engagement and belonging from the moment that a candidate signs until they show up on the first day of their company. I'm excited to talk to Ben just about how they're helping companies, employers, and talent acquisition professionals better manage candidate relationships and really put their best foot forward when trying to attract Gen Z talent. All right. So it's great to have Ben Siegel, a co-founder at Scholars, with me today. Ben, thanks so much for joining. I'm really looking forward to chatting with you. I always love starting with a warm-up question. So my warm-up question for you, Ben, is what was your first job you had when you were growing up as a kid? Yeah, thanks for having me. My first job outside of doing chores for a couple of dollars at my house, I believe I was a camp counselor at Emory University baseball camp. And that was probably when I was like, 12 or 13. So I did that for a bunch of years and then had some other odd jobs and stuff throughout high school and college as well. Well, Ben, you are one of the co-founders at Scholars. And to guess, kick things off, tell us what is Scholars and what problem did you uncover or key insight did you come across that led you to starting this company? Yeah. So Scholars is a technology platform that really does two things for university recruiting and talent acquisition teams. One, we help them build more engaging experience for this audience, specifically kind of after they've extended an offer and, and help them take them from, you know, offer extended and offer accepted all the way through their first day as a full-time employee. Um, and the second thing we do is help companies predict and prevent churn throughout that process as well. So helping them get a, get ahead of renegs, which really is is the big problem and insight that we came across when we started Scholars back in 2019. Initially, we were actually a marketplace that, you know, was doing similar things to some of the other companies in the space, helping students and companies connect for internships and jobs. And then a few months later, COVID hit and it's hard to build a marketplace in any environment. It's even harder when people aren't really hiring. And so we just started talking to a lot of the customers that we had and a lot of the prospects that were in our pipeline at that point. And everyone was talking about the same thing, which was prior to COVID and what they were predicting would happen after was that it was really hard to keep people engaged for six, 12, maybe 24 months in some cases after they had accepted an offer and that they were seeing in some cases, 20, 25% of them reneging and not showing up on the first day. And so after hearing that over and over again from companies of all shapes and sizes and in every industry, we decided that maybe we could do something about it. And that's when we launched 
this actual version of Scholars back in really July of 2021. It's been a little bit over a year. So it makes a ton of sense in terms of going out and listening to your customers and trying to understand their challenges in terms of trying to keep their candidates warm and trying to make sure that they convert. That makes a ton of sense to me. I'd be curious to know from your perspective, the other side of this. So I know you talk a lot and you work a lot with early career candidates, students or early career folks. Put yourself in their shoes for a second. What might them? What might give them pause once they've accepted an offer? Or talk to me about some of the things you uncovered when you talked to you talked to candidates about what were their challenges, what were their concerns, even after they signed an offer or found an employer that they they thought they liked. Why did this problem come about? Yeah, it's funny because it's it's really simple, right? Like a lot of students until recently have you know accepted jobs. Let's say it's October, fall of their senior year or junior year, and they're starting an internship, whatever it might be. And that starts end of May, beginning of June. And they just don't hear anything until the end of April. And so there's six months of silence where uh, if you think about your first job, your first internship, there's already all of this anxiety and questions and everything running through your head. And to hear nothing is kind of the first concern because you just start second guessing everything. Do I even still have this job? What do I do? So that's the first thing is just like having some sort of communication is a is a start and, and something that they're looking for. But the rest of it is also relatively simple, right? Like they just want to know what are they getting themselves into? What should they expect? What's going to be expected of them? What's the office like? What do I wear on the first day? Where do I park? What is a W-4? What's an I-9? Just things that you're anxious about when you're starting your first internship and job. And then the second piece of that is like, who am I working with? Like, who really is my manager? Who's on this team? Who are the other people in my cohort? And so, yeah, like I said, it's it's not a super mind-blowing thing. I don't think anything that I just said, but I think what the challenge is for customers is like, how do you deliver that information and create those connections that they want at scale at all? And then also in a way that they want to receive the information and, and be connected with their people. Yeah, I can... Certainly understand based off what you said about how even when you are excited about an opportunity, particularly if it is perhaps maybe your first internship or perhaps your first full-time job, all the types of questions that might be swirling in your head and even reflecting back a little bit just when starting my first job, I'm sure I had lot, I know I had lots of questions and I know I, I wanted to know lots of things. And so I could definitely see, uh, thinking about this more critically, some of the types of cop topics that might come up or types of things that I would want to know. And, and that makes a lot of sense to me. I am curious, just to go a little bit further on this here, could you talk maybe just about just how perhaps recruiting and hiring has, has changed in the sense that, for context, I graduated college in 2010. And so uh, I remember at that point in time, the, the, you, it was really focused on finding an internship in your junior year and then a full-time offer in your senior year. But it feels like today in 2022 companies, particularly ones that hire lots of college graduates are have kind of like are, are always recruiting in some kind of capacity, or perhaps they're looking at candidates even earlier uh, in the cycle instead of just junior and senior year, perhaps even freshman and sophomore year. I'm just curious if you're seeing anything or any trends in that kind of space or, or if any of those types of things are contributing to this as well. Yeah, for sure. And I know you do a lot of work here too. So I'll give you my answer then would be curious to see what, what you're seeing as well. But I think any good organization is always recruiting, like whether it's Alabama football or the best company in the world, like you're always recruiting. And, and there's a reason that 
Nick Saban is going to middle schools and talking to seventh graders. And, and I think like that's starting to happen in the hiring world as well. Some of our customers are talking to high schoolers about internships and they're starting programs earlier and earlier. And so it's all human nature, right? Whether it's sports or, or life or work, like we all do the things that we do because we're humans. And so I just start, I think there's a lot of trends that are crossing over from maybe the non-work world into the hiring. And I really do think it's, it's important to be able to get in front of talent um, as early as possible. But obviously that brings a lot of challenges as well. And how do you keep them engaged for what could be six years if you're meeting a junior in high school, right? Absolutely. It's, it actually is it's funny you say that. I, a couple, maybe a couple months ago, I saw that McKinsey actually came out with a children's book, basically <laughs> trying to teach people. I think it was science or technology type things. And it was humorous for a lot of reasons, but to the point where if, you know, the leading, arguably the leading brand in or in one of the top employer brands amongst early career folks where they want to work is getting into this space. Clearly, they're they're thinking about trying to educate the market about who they are and what they do. So it it definitely doesn't surprise me that other companies are doing this. But I also think it just from my perspective, just to your point of going out and talking to the people that I talk to, I think the first thing is that certainly the, the stakes are are pretty high in terms of people that go to higher education institutions. I think more and more want to know that they're going to be able to get a career outcome of, of some kind because they're paying time and putting money and effort to, to be there. And so I think there's more of a desire on that front for people to want to have options to engage with companies. And on the company side, to your point, many of these companies have and know they have hiring needs. And, and so those aren't going to go away. And so part of this is really a shift to kind of continuously being always on in terms of being top of mind. And also in terms of trying to educate people about career opportunities. Um, I think one of the, the challenges oftentimes I come across when I talk to people about their careers, particularly early career folks, is that you don't know what you don't know, right? And so just even the chance to get access to learning about career paths and things has been a struggle in the past. And so I also think that part of what's also probably happening is that in addition to companies having hiring needs, they are paying attention more and more to this idea that um, we need to do more to get in front of more people, not just because we have needs, but also from an equity and inclusion perspective, right? In terms of wanting to be more front in mind of more people from more walks of life and not just the traditional places that we've always gone. Yeah. Well, so I think that you said something interesting of like people who are going to higher education and we want to make sure that they're going to get the most out of it. What's going to happen when fewer people go to college? Like how is this going sure. to take place for high school students or maybe people who like take a non-traditional path? I think that's a question that I don't really have a great answer to, but something that we've started to think about as well that like a lot of our customers are starting to talk about too. So curious if you're hearing anything there. Yeah, no, I think it's a great point. And I think to the point you made, people are thinking of, or companies are really trying to get out there and go and look at candidates at earlier stages, because I think they do understand some of the macro shifts in the, in the labor market. And certainly I just looked at some research that came out the other day, just about some of the attitudinal shifts, at least right now, in terms of how people view higher education, some of which has a little bit less to do with higher education as it is with more of a desire for economic safety and wanting to earn income, right? But those two things are related in the sense that sometimes people might opt to go get a job right away versus going into higher education because they do have um, needs that they need to take care of. And so 
there's it's definitely a challenge. Uh, I think there's a lot of people that are are thinking about it. I think there are less solutions than answers at this point, but I do think it is starting to become more of a, a topic that is that is absolutely top of mind. So switching gears for a second, I would love to have you maybe just talk a little bit about the product that you have. So as you mentioned, you work a lot with early early and career recruiters as well as university relations, talent acquisition professionals. How does the product work for them? And also, how does it work for candidates? Yeah. So I think the one of the easiest ways to think about it is we really have three segments of the platform. So uh, really like one place to inform candidates, right? Share all those in, information, all the things that they get anxious about that I was talking about earlier. One place where they can engage with each other as well as with the people at the company, so more of a community feel. And then the third is a place for companies to optimize this process, look at their analytics, take some insights out of it and, and make it better. So on the inform side of things, uh, the easiest way is to think about the last time you ordered a package from Amazon, right? You had a link that you could click at any point when you had a question, it would bring you back to the same dashboard and it would show you that tracker of, is the package still at the warehouse? Did it ship? When's it going to arrive at your doorstep? That's what we're helping companies basically deliver to candidates. One place that's their home for however long it needs to be to always come back to for any information that they need about the job. That second piece of the engaged side of things is community, right? So you can picture kind of a Slack community where we've tried to really differentiate there that seems to work is it's not profiles that are geared around work, right? If I want to know where you interned last summer, I'll go to LinkedIn. They obviously do a great job of showing that information. The profiles that candidates and new hires are creating on scholars are more about who they actually are as people. What do they like to do on the weekends? Where do they like to go? Do they like to ski? And then what we're able to do is kind of help facilitate conversations with people who have shared interests. And what we've found there is that, you know, not only do I want to know what to expect when I show up to work, but I want to know who I'm going to work with. And I'm more likely to want to be there on day one, but also for a long time, if I enjoy the people who I'm working alongside of. And then the third piece is taking a lot of the analytics that we're able to collect on the candidate side of the platform and turn them into insights to help companies basically understand who is most at risk of churn and help their recruiters kind of get in front of that, reach out to the right people, have conversations get people back on track, or worst case scenario, have a much longer lead time to understand when someone is going to renew and they've got a longer, they've got more time basically to be able to. Thanks for breaking that down. And when I first came across you guys, what was compelling to me is that it was what you're building is in a language, at least that I understood, particularly someone coming from the software SaaS world and particularly knowing marketing in terms of talking about the candidate journey, but also being able to anchor on things like attrition or potential attrition or reneging and things and being able to use interventions as well as to alert users, or in this case, your talent acquisition folks about potential challenges so that they could proactively address them. And so just from a business perspective, I can definitely see uh, the value that would someone would have from using the product. And on that, one of the folks that you spent a lot of time working with and the populations that you spent a lot of time working with are the university relations and campus recruiting professionals. And so just from your perspective, when you talk to them or when they're engaging with your product, what are some of their challenges that they're facing in terms of trying to recruit all this top talent? Yeah, I think the one challenge that will always be there is finding the best talent and convincing them to accept the offer. That's always going to 
that's always going to be around. I think what is happening now is it's much more mainstream today than it was a year ago, the problem of renegs. And so companies are starting to think about one, how do we start to decrease the rate at which people are reneging on our jobs or two, they've seen it happen to enough of their peers where they're trying to kind of proactively get ahead of it. But I think the problem that they're having is what is Gen Z and and early career talent really care about? What do they want? And then how do you deliver it in a way that is going to resonate with them, right? Gen Z has like an eight second attention span or whatever it is. and, And they're doing things in a much different way than maybe early career people did five or six years ago, even where like you could send a really long email and it would get read. That's not happening anymore. If there's an email that's more than a couple sentences, it's just not getting looked at. And so the second piece, now that the problem has been recognized, is like, what do we actually do about it and how do we do a good job? And that's kind of where we fit into the market as well as helping them with some of those best practices and strategies and stuff like that. Yeah, I think it's interesting you spring that up. I was just reading through a Pew Research study that came out yesterday. And one of the things they looked at was usage of social media platforms by teenagers in 2014, and then comparing that to 2022. And as you can expect, the couple the ones that were really popular today, were not even a lot around in 2014, right? And then the obvious big one on that one was that one of the most popular platforms in 2014, a lot Facebook was significantly used less by teenagers in in 2022. So just in terms of what you were talking about in terms of the the changing demographics of how people are choosing to communicate or want to communicate, I can definitely see that being certainly a challenge. And the broader question of what are early career talent looking for in terms of a job in career, I think there's always been that elusive question for people, and particularly for companies that tend to hire folks who are earlier in their careers. And I'd just be curious to know what you think about that, fully knowing and acknowledging that it's hard to paint a generation as a monolith, and I don't think we should, but perhaps maybe you can opine a little bit of a couple of things that you tend to see from early career folks about what what might make a good workplace or what might make a good company for the listeners out there. Yeah, I'll give it I'll give it my best shot. But like you said, definitely like a big question. I think there's a, a lot of articles out there that talk about how this generation doesn't care as much about salary. And like, maybe that's true relative to prior generations or even relative to like the other things that you care about. But I still think that we live in a society where it is important to have a salary that's livable and and good. And I do think that is still a massive part of choosing where you want to go work. And then from there, once that is a fair livable wage. I think the big things right now are that we hear a lot are just like generally transparency. You know, what, again, what can they expect in a company? What's going to be expected of them? Obviously, a lot of companies are laying people off right now when things are not going well inside of a company or there's changes. They want to be aware as any, I think, employee does. I don't think that's specific to early career. And I think the other big piece, which again, probably sounds like cliche is just the the culture. Like who are they working with? What are they doing kind of outside of just their actual nine to five job or whatever the hours are? And can they build relationships with these people that are not only work-related? We've seen that be a big kind of ask from this generation as well. I think this seems to make, make sense to me. I think 
there's a, whenever I think about some of these generational questions, I, I think about what stays the same and what's inherently different, right? And so to your point, compensation is, is something that's always been important, right? Like, no, I, I don't, I don't think anyone would disagree that it's not important, but perhaps to the degree of its importance or in relation to what others things must be present before compensation becomes less important, I think might be different. I also think that in terms of what also is different is I do think that even just thinking about, again, like my own experience, I, I joined the workforce in 2010. And it's not that company culture wasn't important then, it absolutely was. But to the degree that you could expect to find information about that, and that was readily available and accessible, the times have changed in terms of what's out there now versus what was there before, right? And I think LinkedIn certainly existed back then, but the degree to which how it was used is very different now. And not to mention all the other channels you can use today to find out more information about what that culture could be like and if that's a good fit for you. So that's definitely something else that I think about. And then I think the other thing that potentially is nuanced or different is that uh, as we think about not just taking a job, but wondering what the opportunities are going to be in terms of growth and, and learning. Yeah. Uh, I think at least at the point in time when I joined the workplace in 2009 or 2010, because of the state of the economy at that point, I think a lot of people felt very grateful to have a job. And again, uh, it's not that learning or growth or development or career paths weren't important. But I, I think today, in today's day and age, uh, again, because the stakes are a little bit higher, the the, the, the cost of education <clears throat> in some cases is really, really challenging. And so people want to know that whatever they're going to sign up for, they're going to have some opportunities that are going to be available to them, not just in the short term, but perhaps over the longer term. And so I think that's one other thing that that often comes to mind to me as well. But what all of that I think amounts to, and the upshot of all of this is that companies and recruiters and talent acquisition professionals just needing to be more thoughtful and intentional about um, uh, what their employer brand is and and what the deal is that they're offering to to candidates. And I think that's where I see partially where I see some of the work that you're doing kind of fitting into all of that. Yeah, I think your point around basically instant gratification, right? Of just being able to look up and find effectively anything that you want to know. What that comes back to is what you're saying, which is if you're not doing a good job as a company putting that information out there, then you're just, you're losing talent right there. Because if the things that we've said are important and there's no content or information about it online, anywhere, then how can you expect to convince people to want to come work for you? Not that that's an easy thing to do, but I do think it is, definitely an important thing where companies sometimes don't invest enough time or resources because they can't really see the the full impact of that. Absolutely. And so you have the good fortune of working with a number of different, lots of different companies who are using your product. I'd be curious to know from you, what are the ways in which they're giving you feedback that your product is really helping? And maybe as a correlator to that, are have you seen any good examples of best practices from companies or university recruiters who seem to be doing things that are helping them in terms of retaining talent and reducing reneges and improving the overall kind of candidate experience. Yeah. So I think the first thing that we're helping them do that seems to be making an impact on retention is just doing something, right? Like I think that's the first step for all of this and where a lot of companies hadn't really spent a lot of time before the last couple of years was, like I mentioned at the beginning, you'd give out an offer in October and you'd talk to someone at the end of April and it wasn't a huge deal. So we're able to help them at least start to get some content out. And then I think the other kind of big impact that we've been able to make is 
starting to understand what their candidates actually do and don't care about so that as they try to iterate for future years or build their employer branding strategy for going on campus or whatever events that they're thinking about, they have just, they're, they're just more informed generally from that data. And then I'd say the third thing too, is just kind of our end user experience. It's, it's not via email, which makes a massive difference when you're talking about 18 to 22, 23 year old people. They're not checking their email nine to five. But like I said, they also are not reading super long emails. So we're able to take the content that companies want to share and package it up in a way that looks and feels more Gen Z, if you will, or more engaging generally. And so we're, we're starting to actually make sure that people are consuming the content that, that the companies are creating, which all of that, I, I think, ties back to retention and just the, the touch points themselves make the candidates feel like the companies are thinking about them. They have invested in creating a strong experience and there's just there's less reason to go start looking elsewhere. Not to say it doesn't happen, but it happens less often when you take the time to provide a good experience. So with, when, to wrap up here, we'd love to hear you talk about what's ahead. I know you've been at this for a couple of years now and recording this in the summer of 2022, but we'd love to hear what's on the roadmap for you. What are you focused on? What can we expect from you and from scholars? Yeah, I think the big things that we're focused on right now are a lot of the community stuff that that we were talking about. I really do think that um, if you're if you enjoy the people that you're working with and you have access to build a community prior to day one, that we can make a really strong impact on not only decreasing renegs but increasing longer term retention. Too, we always say that retention starts before day one. I think that every interaction you have with a company from first learning about them all the way through starting is impacts your perception and therefore your willingness to want to be there for longer. And so the the more that we can do that, the better. And I think a lot of that starts with building stronger communities and obviously continuing to help share out helpful and resourceful information that the companies need to share with their candidates. Ben Siegel, co-founder of Scholars, thanks so much for joining me today. If our listeners want to learn more about Scholars or connect with you, where should they go or where can they find that information? Our website is hirescholars.com. You just search scholars on LinkedIn. We share a lot of blogs and cool information there. And if for some reason you want to find me as well, you can just type my name into LinkedIn. Hi, everyone. Al D here. Thank you so much for listening to the Edge of Work podcast. If you like what you heard, encourage you to share the episode with a friend, as well as to head over to Apple Podcasts to leave a review and let us know what you think. I would be forever grateful if you did that. I would also love to hear directly from you about what episodes you're listening to or any suggestions you have for how we can make it better. You can find me on LinkedIn. 